Hello and welcome to the next edition of this Harrington Star podcast. Whether it's Fintech Focus TV you're listening to or our diversity and inclusion specials, we hope you're enjoying the shows and please do subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. Enjoy the show. the Women of Fintech podcast series. We're here today to celebrate the wins, raise awareness of the challenges and walk the walk for change across the entire industry. Today we are joined by Anna Tsupko, the CEO at Paybase, a flexible payment solution for online marketplaces. Now she set up Paybase in 2017 and it's one of the leading fintechs in today's market. Anna graduated from the University of Oxford in 2015, and just a short time later, she's been a fund manager, a director, and now a CEO. And she's here to share her very, very inspirational journey. So, Anna, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi there. Thank you very much for having me. I'm very excited. Well, I'd love it if you could start off by telling us about Paybase. Absolutely. Um, So Paybase is a very flexible end-to-end solution for payments, compliance and risk management. And we we predominantly target three uh, markets. The first one is online marketplaces, gig and sharing economy platforms. The second one is fintechs that don't want to build out their own payments infrastructure. And finally, we work with blockchain businesses that are looking for crypto to fiat interoperability. And on the face of it, all of these kind of target markets look very, very different from one another, um, but their payments requirements are actually remarkably similar. So if we look, for instance, at an online marketplace, say, I don't know, Etsy, um, what, what, what an online marketplace does is it connects buyers and sellers and takes a commission of every sale made. Um, it doesn't actually sell anything itself. And so if a marketplace were to work with a more traditional payments provider, all the money for all of the sales would be sent to the marketplace. And the marketplace would then have to manually figure out, okay, well, how much do I owe seller A? How much do I owe seller B? Before then having to pay each and every seller individually using their online banking. Now, that's obviously not scalable. That can work if you've got five or 10 sellers on your platform. But if you've got hundreds or even thousands, the the kind of operational burden of that becomes quite tiresome. Um, On top of it's 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 not legally compliant for marketplaces to handle um, customer funds anymore. So what they're doing, obviously, is they're holding on to money that is that is not their own, that is their sellers' money. Um, and since the introduction of PSD two of the Second Payment Services Directive, they can no longer do so without being a regulated financial institution. So we at Paybase are a regulated electronic money institution, um, and we solve the problem of both the operational burden and the regulatory burden. Burden, um, with the help of electronic money. So when we work with um, an online marketplace, what we do is we open so-called electronic money accounts for all of the merchants, all of the sellers in the marketplace, and the marketplace itself. And you can think of electronic money accounts as kind of lightweight bank accounts. Um, and then if a buyer comes along and wants to make a purchase for £100, then all of those £100 get sent to Paybase, whilst we automatically allocate um, the relevant split to 
seller and marketplace. So if we know that the marketplace takes a 20% commission, we'll automatically place £20 into the marketplace's e-money account and £80 into the seller's e-money account. And then whenever they're ready to withdraw those funds, it's a click of a button and we make that payout. So the reconciliation is completely automated and there is no regulatory kind of burden because all the funds sit with us until the relevant parties request them. As part of this setup, we obviously perform due diligence as well on all of the account holders. We, we have a, a, a fraud prevention suite in place. Um, and, and critically, what we also do is, is we place a very, very big focus on flexibility. Because when, when your product and your payment flows are so deeply interconnected, it's really important that your payments provider is flexible and can support your product needs without having to put in custom development work and then charge you loads and loads of money for that. Um, and that's what we're extremely good at. We, we're very flexible out of the box, which means that, you know, if a, if a client comes along, um, like a prospect of ours right now, they're an online marketplace. Um, and, and, and what's really a fashion online marketplace and what's really key for their go-to-market strategies, influencer marketing. Um, so they said to us, look, guys, can you split funds not just between the seller and ourselves? but between seller ourselves and the influencer if they drove the the, the the sale. For us, that's absolutely trivial to do straight out of the box, whereas all the other payments providers they spoke to said, well, no, sorry, if they're not a buyer or a seller, we don't really know how to handle it. So that's just kind of one very simple example of how we bring flexibility um, to the table and how we help our clients build the best possible business. Well, I mean, that sounds incredibly impressive. So Basically, if someone's working with you, they don't need to worry about the regulation. You've got that covered. Reconciliation, you've got that covered. The due diligence, got that covered. You've got a fraud protection suite. And you're uber flexible. This sounds great. Um, now, where did your inspiration come from for all of this? Mm, absolutely. So um, I was working as an as an investment manager at a at a family office, um, and what we did is is early stage investments across Europe, um, across all sorts of different industries. So one of our investments was a vegan fashion company. Another one was a prop tech company. Um, and one company um, happened to be a B2C fintech company. Um, and so what, what, what the guys were doing is they were building a mobile peer-to-peer -peer payments app um, to make kind of the splitting of, of, of money and sending money to one another as, as easy as possible. Um, and it was really as part of kind of managing that investment that I realized that there is no good payments infrastructure out there if you if you need more than just payments acceptance. Um, because what the guys were trying to build is actually not that complicated, but in order to, to, to be supported from a payments infrastructure point of view, they had to integrate with a myriad of different payments providers, with a gateway, an acquirer, a banking partner, a processor, a due diligence provider. They had to get their own license. They had to think about compliance and build out a whole compliance framework. And with all the providers that they were in, integrating with. Um, they often used legacy technology, had really high setup fees, really high monthly minimum commitments. And what that meant is that, first of all, the, the, the founders of the business had to acquire an incredible amount of, of kind of very specific 
knowledge that was not necessarily linked to their end product. Um, and they also just had to spend so much time and resource on that whole infrastructural bit, rather than being able to focus on product market fit, go to market strategy and so on. Um, and I believe that that was one of the reasons why the business ultimately failed, because they weren't you know, that they, they didn't have a good payments infrastructure provider that took all of that burden off them and allowed them to do what they were really passionate about. And so that's really where, where the inspiration for Paybase came from, to, to support forward-looking innovative businesses by giving them the tools that they need to build the best possible business. Well, it sounds like you cover so, so, so much um, as a business. Um, like as you reel off all these different things that you just take out of people's worry list, you know? Um, it makes me think, your role itself as CEO now, what does that actually entail day in, day out? Gosh, I guess it's, it's a, bit, <laughs> a, a bit of everything, a bit of everything. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, it, 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 it covers external representation of the business. Um, so participating in, in podcasts like these, doing doing um, talks or panel discussions. Um, I also do do a bit of sales, but I leave the vast majority of that to our sales team there. They're incredibly good, um, much better than me. Um, so they, they, they focus on the sales side of things. Um, then there's obviously also um, internal alignment and, and kind of just setting that, that North Star, that vision for the business um, and, and making sure that that, that, that everybody is on board, that everybody um, understands what we're doing, but also has the, the, the ability to, to, to ask questions or to question um, whether what we're doing or how we're doing things is, is, is kind of the best way of doing things. Um, I also I also work with or used to work with with our suppliers quite closely. Now that those relationships are are, are quite you know well set up, I've taken a bit of a step back from that. Um, but I do really enjoy the the kind of operational side of things. And uh, as you can imagine, due to the complexity of our business, we do need to run our operations very very tightly. Um, so so I do enjoy kind of dipping in and out of that. Um, and then it's it's yeah I guess my my the most important part of my role is is to make sure that I've got the right people on board that they are that they are motivated that they're dedicated and that they have everything they need in order to in order to do their best possible um, you know produce their best possible outputs and be happy and thrive so that's really where we're kind of the centerpiece of my of my role lies. Well, I'm a massive fan of being happy and, and therefore thriving and and being more successful off the back of it. So I love that. Um, now I, I can imagine that you face lots of challenges on a day to day basis. Um, it's one of the things that makes me so passionate about fintech as an industry that that we all we all must look for look for the challenge and, and chase it, um, and then we grab hold of it and then overcome it. So I know this is probably a difficult question, but. What would you say is um, one of your biggest challenges that you face? So right now, and I think uh, loads of other um, founders and entrepreneurs will probably feel exactly the same way. It is it is trying to navigate the uncertainty around around COVID nineteen. Um, you know what is what is obviously incredibly important is to remain calm and and keep providing that kind of calm and steady leadership to the team make sure that everybody is okay um but at the same time thinking about you know how can we how can we extend our runway how can we make sure that we 
you know, that, 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 that our business has a secure future at times where fundraising is, is very difficult, at times where obviously all, all, all VCs and family offices are going to be incredibly conservative. So it's, it's, it's trying to navigate this, this changing world um, in a way that is, that is compassionate, that is kind, and at the same time pragmatic. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So one of the reasons why I wanted to invite you on to today's podcast series was to talk about diversity and equality in the tech industry. Um, do you believe that the tide is changing here? Absolutely. Um, absolutely. I think the tide is changing. It's probably not changing as, as quickly as I'd like to see it change. Um, but, but no, there's been, there's been so many fantastic initiatives, so many, so many things happening that I think are, are really making a, a, a positive impact. So, you know, when I, when I first got involved in fintech, which was now, you know, what, three to four years ago, I feel like there were very, very few, um, very few kind of members associations that that championed women in finance or women in fintech there were not that many awards there were not that many um initiatives panel discussions whereas over the last three to four years i feel like that's really really blossomed and you know some people are are sometimes a bit skeptical and they say well you know it's all good and great that you're doing panel discussions um or or, or, or awards but but you know are things really changing on the ground well i i think raising awareness is absolutely critical um and and showcasing that there are women that 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 are succeeding in finance in fintech in technology is 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 absolutely the first step towards towards changing the situation because that means that um that young girls can 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 see you know that there are role models within within this sphere that has been traditionally so male dominated and we kind of get away from that from that notion of no that's that's not even that's not even an option for me and you know from from what I can tell um you know in you running running this 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 podcast you feel you feel quite quite similarly to me oh yeah absolutely um I, I love what you've just said there raising awareness is critical um and showcasing showcasing actually evidence out there that there are a lot of people that are just living and breathing the change by by just doing a good job um, and I think that's so important. So, you know, just the fact that you're on here and, and showcasing your story, um, I absolutely love it. Um, and thank you so much for that. So going back to Paybase itself, how do you manage diversity at Paybase? Mm, um, so I guess if you if you start your own business um, as a woman, you are in a in a very privileged position in that you can set the culture from the ground up and you can really bake uh, diversity into the very kind of core fibers of the business. It's not like you join an existing business and, and you have to really think about, you know, how do I navigate this? How do I change the, the, you know, the, the attitude to diversity for the better? You can really do so from day one. Um, and, and for me, you know, diversity starts with, with hiring. It starts with um, what do you look for in a candidate? And for us, it has never been, you know, the, the, the educational background. It's never been about even, even kind of the skills. You know, yes, of course, you need to do a, a base level check that, that, that people know what, 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 what the, you know, 
specific skills that the role requires. But ultimately, for me, it's all about being being mission driven or even mission obsessed. It's about people that take pride in their work, that that are self starters, that you know are not your classic nine to five. Um, you know what, well, my working day is done. I'm out of here. That doesn't mean I expect everyone to stay late, but I, I I just want people to really believe in what they're doing and to really kind of live and breathe um, where where the company is going. And so that that's the most important thing for me when hiring. That there's this 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 um, company culture and company values alignment, and that means that you you automatically uh, take a much more kind of diverse approach to hiring because it's not about where is this person from, which school did they go to, and so on and so on. It's about are they fundamentally as into payments as I am, as the rest of the team is? Do they believe in what Paybase is trying to do and do they want to be a core part of that? Um, so so I think kind of starting with with, with hiring and making diversity into that is, is really important. Yeah, and I, I agree with everything that you said there. And I think that's really, it's really inspirational for people to listen to this pod and hear you saying that, that it's about the values, it's about people's um, mission, it's about their purpose. You know, 10 years ago, in, in anything that was fi- financial services and technology related, we just wouldn't have used those words at all. And it's great mm-hmm. to hear that from a CEO um, who's built their own vision for a business um, and saying that those are the sorts of people that, that are going to thrive in your environment. So so thank you for sharing that. Um, another question for you then. Um, what would you say have been your three most career-defining moments to date? So I think the first one was um, during my second year at uni. I was I was studying theology and religious studies, which is very unrelated to what I'm doing now. And you know, wow. I know, I know. And I was kind of in my in my academic bubble, um, doing doing my thing. Um, when I got a phone call um, with the the kind of proposition of starting a a family office together with two colleagues from the ground up and I I, you know I didn't really know much about investing at all I didn't really know much about family offices Um, I was as I you know as I mentioned very much kind of in my in my academic bubble Um, but I decided to you know to be brave and, and give it a shot and so whilst whilst being at uni, I also set up a business um, that was in a, in a sphere that that I didn't really know much about at all. And it proved to be an incredibly rewarding journey in terms of just how much I've learned, um, how many new people I met, how many new perspectives I got I got exposed to. Um, so that definitely opened kind of a, a whole a whole new world for me and is ultimately also what led me to my second career defining moment. And that that is and that is starting paybase um you know it was it was it was as part of my of my investment management um role as i mentioned previously that i that i kind of started thinking about the need for for really flexible um payment infrastructure and so the decision to then take the leap and 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 start paving was definitely the second the second big big career defining moment um, and you know, being a founder, being an entrepreneur, it's it's definitely a, you know, it's 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 a massive roller coaster. 
Um, you've got you've got your ups and they're great. You've got your downs and they're harrowing. But I think it really it really makes you stronger as a person, and it forces you to step outside of your comfort zone over and over and over again, and to do things for the first time that you've never done before. Um, and you, you know, knowing that you are going to make mistakes, you still have to go for it. Um, but but what I what I really enjoy is that you know, no, no two days are the same. Um, you're constantly presented with kind of new challenges and you need to be creative about how you solutionize because you haven't seen that challenge before. You, there is no, no kind of um, gold standard solution out there for it. So you really have to have to be creative, have to be analytical and have to go for it. Um, and then I guess in terms of, in terms of the third career defining moment, I think that would have been processing our first live transaction with the client on the Paybase platform, you know, making our first revenues and, 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 and seeing kind of the culmination of two years of really, really hard work come together in, 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 in somebody using our platform, in somebody paying for using our platform and in all of it working flawlessly. That was definitely, you know, a massive, massive win. Um, it, it provided a lot of validation. And, and so, yeah, I would say, is, is, is that third career-defining moment for me. Well, I, lo I love those. I, I love that you've ended it on, on a big win as well, you know, so you feel validated in everything that you've done. But there's such good messages in that, um, you know, encouraging people just to know that if they don't know about something, that step into the unknown, um, yes, it's nerve-wracking, but it can really pay off. And taking that leap with a new venture and a new idea, look at where you are now, if you just, just a few years later, um, you know, running a very, very successful, flexible payment solution for on, online marketplaces that, that so many people know about now. So um, really inspiring comments there. So on to that theme of inspiration. Um, my last question to you is who has inspired you? So this, this may be quite a quite an unusual answer, but I I recently started watching The Crown, um, the, the, the TV show about, about the Queen, and I must say, she is such an inspiration, the Queen. Um, oh, I that. <laughs> you know, the, the, the hardships that she's had to go through and the tough decisions that she's had to make, um, and especially as, as a kind of, as a young woman, um, at very different times than, than ours today, um, she she was put into this leadership position that she didn't really ask for, and she had to push herself to be a lot more assertive than than she she is by nature. Um, and and the way she's handled that, and the way that she's kind of grown so quickly, is absolutely inspiring. Um, so yeah, I'd say I'd say that's that's the figure that comes to mind. Well, that's a big smile on my face. Um... And I've got to say that the whole of this uh, podcast recording, I've I found that you know in, in a time of turmoil and challenge, and where we're all worrying about um, our loved ones, our friends, our family in COVID nineteen, I think you yeah you put a real real big smile to my face. What an inspiration you've been throughout yeah. this. So thank you so much for joining us on the Women of FinTech podcast series, and thank you to everybody for listening. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure.